This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. I am sitting down with Kayla, who is an amazing sacral generator. She's also a 6'2". She works on my team. She's been in SSCC. I consider us friends as well. We are in and out of each other's inboxes all the time. So she popped into my Voxer yesterday and had, she sent me a voice note with just a couple of questions asking around my experience with when I reached that space where I quit my job and I had time freedom was there then this sensation of loneliness and was there this sensation of like isolation, even though you've gotten everything that you want. And I was listening to this voice note and I just had so much to say that I was like, okay, we just need to record this as a podcast episode and just have this conversation out loud and recorded so we can share it with other people. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah. Kayla, what was, what was your experience? Cause I feel like you probably had stuff happening on the back end that was really divine as well. Yeah. One of the things that I've just been dealing with, I think I had such a drastic turnaround. Like if people follow me on social media, which I know we, we have some like dabbling between our, our um, audiences and whatnot. I really had a massive jump, like a quantum leap in the spring where just like, I really had this new experience of financial freedom and then time freedom. And I literally thought I was going to go back to getting a nine to five because things were not going well for me. We moved to a new city and all of a sudden I just really noticed. And this is like one thing too, is is that I think it's, it's hard to talk about this because it's such a privileged thing to be complaining about for lack of a better word. It's like, oh, you have this time freedom and you're making more money and now you feel isolated. Like, what was me? Like, that's just ridiculous. But I think it's something that is worthy of talking of because it's, it's different. Right. And so I really just started to notice, like I had this free time and then my partner had started a new job and he really went through a huge experience over the three months in his corporate life where I was like helping him with human design in that realm. And he, I was like supporting him and he's navigating his own stuff. But then for me, I start feeling really self-conscious when I'm like, work a couple hours and then go to the beach for the afternoon on a Monday, like just those kinds of things that I can do now. And I I started to feel really alone. And I was like, Oh my God. So I started reaching out to my girlfriends who obviously you're one of them where it's like, what do you do? How do you process this? Like, how did it, how did it trigger your relationship? What are the things that have come up? Like, how do I navigate this? Because I don't really think that this is something that you can be prepared for. And it's interesting because I talked to my boyfriend about this and he's like, you know, if I was in your situation, like I'd be playing golf and I'd be doing this and that and the other. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But I don't think you get that because there's this kind of shame around sharing the freedom that you have because you don't want to make other people feel bad. Mm -hmm. And so then you play small and I'm like, but then if I play small, how can I inspire people? How can I show people that this is possible when I never thought it was possible for myself? So these were the things that were going through my head. And then I slid into Voxer and was like, Hey, like, can you please like, tell me about your experience? Because I'm like crowdsourcing all my friends that are entrepreneurs to see what they want to share. And then you got so lit and asked me to do an episode. And I was like, yes, this is happening. So we haven't actually talked about this yet, which is really exciting. So this is going to be like such an organic conversation. Yeah, absolutely. 
So yeah, one of the first things that came up for me um, was just like that resonance of like, yeah, I felt really lonely. And what came up for me, like the strongest emotion, because I quit my job very suddenly and all of my previous friends, like the friends that I had in the area, I knew most of them through nursing school. And so one, I hadn't really been in contact with them since the pandemic had hit. And so I was like already a little bit isolated with, you know, trying, like I'm going from being in school to starting a new job. And so there was even a girl who was like in my nursing class, who was hired at the same, like on the same unit and we were going to be working together. So I knew like one person there, I was already feeling a little bit isolated. And then I decided to quit my job. And I just remember being at home and having this sensation of like, okay, the entire world is like, just still going. The entire world is still operating. Everyone else is so plugged in to their routines of like getting up and going, going where they need to go, getting to their jobs, getting their work done, coming home. And I felt this huge lack of structure, but I felt this huge amount of shame. And so I felt so much shame for, I'm like, okay, who am I to be special enough to have time freedom, to actually have the freedom to do whatever I want. And then there was also the sensation of, because I have this time freedom, I have to earn it. I have to prove to other people that I'm making the most of it. And so that belief of like that sensation of, I did not feel worthy of the time freedom that I had because in my mind, like I, I was so set on, I was going to be working as a nurse for at least two years because I had signed a contract that said I was going to work at that hospital for at least two years. And so in my mind, this was something that was like two years ahead of schedule and I was alone in it. And so I felt this shame of like, I don't deserve this. I don't know what to do with all of this time freedom. I'm such like, I'm a homebody already. And if I go out, I like to have people with me if I go out and the, all of the people that I wanted to hang out with were busy <laughs> or like they lived in different places or like, I just didn't have anyone to go do things with me, but then it started to like actually cause some, some tension in, in my relationship. So I had a friend that I was working out with, um, it's like a workout partner. And, you know, when you have a workout partner, you, you chat you vent all of the things. We were really good friends and we'd spent a lot of time together, but me quitting my job, she felt really strongly like that was a bad decision. She's like, that's unsafe. And she was pretty vocal about that. And so when I mentioned that my husband was leaving the military, she really freaked out of like, well, you're already doing whatever the fuck you want. He has to stay in a stable job because like no one's like, you can't both be irresponsible was essentially this this story that I was getting. And so I felt like I have to be making the absolute most of this time freedom that I have because no one thinks I deserve it. Everyone thinks that I was stupid for quitting my job. And there was all of this like pressure. And so I turned that into, I'm not going to allow myself to do fun things. I'm just going to work. And that's actually when my workaholic things started to become an issue is because I, you know, if my husband was at work, my like, cool. I'm going to be working too. If I'm early, I have to already be working or I'd be working late as well. And so all I was doing was working because I was avoiding the uncomfortable stillness and the uncomfortable silence that I had worked so hard to get because I had to work around that sensation of like, I feel guilty for this. I feel like I don't deserve this. And so it was so uncomfortable in that stillness that if I was 
I remember like being in the living room and like doing um, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you do like a whole tarot spread and like a whole, you like you yoga and you meditate and journal, like a whole little like session. Um, yeah, like a little spiritual session. And I just remember doing that and looking at the clock and it was like 11 AM on a Tuesday. And I'm like, I should be working. Like, why am I, why am I just journaling? I'm wasting time. I like, I can't do this. And so it turned into this story of like, trying to figure out the the correct times to be doing certain activities. And so then I was like, when is it the right time to do this? When is the right time to work out? When is it the right time to be working? Is this a morning activity? Is this an evening activity? Because I was looking for some sort of like, what's the correct answer when really it's just freedom. And like, I don't, it doesn't have to be a morning activity. It can be a morning activity one day and it can be an evening activity the other. I don't need to have a routine And yeah, I think that was, that's like initially what happened for me was like all of this guilt, all of this shame, the sensation of, I don't deserve this. And then an avoidance of the stillness through overworking myself. (laughs) This is so relatable. And you're probably watching me like nodding my head as you share this story. It's interesting because I had a little bit of a different experience where the first, I guess, three years of my business. I was working full-time and like I'd moved across the country. So I was working full-time and growing a business. And so I was used to like working eight, nine hours a day and then being up until 1030 at night. Like this was like quote normal. Right. And it's funny because during those times of literally overworking is when I produce less results, which is just, again, when I see people online, they're like, Oh, I work less and I produce more results or I make more money. And I'm like, how, like, how does this happen? Right. So when I quit, my full-time job in September of last year, I definitely was hitting a point of burnout because I had peaked in terms of income in the summer. And then I literally quit my job when I had like no income coming into my business. And I was just living off my savings. It was like 20 grand to pay my taxes the next year. Like it was just very irresponsible as some people would say it. My projector boyfriend was freaking out about it. But it was interesting because I hit that point And I stopped working full time and I was just doing business stuff, but I was so burnt out. And that's when I I was experiencing the shame. And I was like, Kayla, like just logically, I was like, follow your sacral and do what lights you up. So I was literally doing the same things that you were doing. I was getting up, I was meditating, I was journaling, I would go for a walk, I would do things out of order to try and break my patterns of like how I was operating in my day so I could normalize having fluidity. And then I just like couldn't bring myself to be quote productive because I was so burnt out. I had to like process like the shame around being so many years in my business and not having the results I wanted. And this went on for like three or four months. We come into the new year and I had again drained my savings account. And I was like, okay, Kayla. And my boyfriend's like, you need to get a nine to five. Like you can't just keep doing this. And so this is when I was literally starting to accept, I'm going to have to get a nine to five. And then I was looking for one literally applied to like 30 different things online. Didn't find one, but then we come into February and March. And this is the time when I started doing stuff with you and page with undefined and then moved on to your team. And then I suddenly was still living the same life of like having this time freedom where I literally wasn't making money, but then all of a sudden I was making money. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that was a mind fuck. And I'm like, is this like, is this actually happening? Like, is this, is this too good to be true? And so then I had to process the shame around like, am I worthy of this? Like I, I literally said to my boyfriend, I was like, I feel like I can't be proud because I'm going to trigger you. 
Like I just couldn't believe how much I was shrinking myself. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. Cause it made me think of even Catherine's and Kina where she shared so many times where she's like on a fucking yacht in Greece. And she's, she's like, I made this much money while on a baby moon. And it's like $800,000. Like I'm not even exaggerating. And then people are shitting on her. And it's like, but if she, if she doesn't share that from a place of abundance, like how, like where's the leadership. Right. Mm -hmm. So then obviously like, I'm not at that scale yet, but it's like, I really started to think about that. And I was like, yeah, like I know people who want to start a business and they haven't done it yet, but I've, I've jumped into it and I'm like, oh my God, like there's so much I could tell you and show yeah. you. So it's, it's interesting. Cause I had like a similar, but different experience with you. And I, there was like these chapters of how I had to process the shame mm -hmm. and the frustration and the, like, what the fuck this is working now. Like <laughs> that's what it felt like for me. Yeah, Absolutely. I think there's also something to be said here about the six, two, because the six, two is that role model. Like I'm almost always the first one to do things in my world. And I don't know if that's my Manny Jen, if that's my 3420, if that's just like who I am in general, um, I don't like, I can't pinpoint it exactly, but I'm almost always the first one to do things. And so there is almost always that like uncomfortability of doing something new and doing something that hasn't been done before. But once I like just kept going, <laughs> I realized that the people around me saw what I had and were feeling like they were ready to have it for themselves too. And so I think for me, when I decided that like, yes, I get to have this, but I realized that like my ideal life isn't just me having time freedom. It's the people around me also having time freedom. It's the people that I want to hang out with having time freedom. Like I thought about a big thing for me has been travel. And I've always like, I've always wanted to travel. Travel has been a really big thing for me. As of right now, I've never been out of the United States. I am 25. <laughs> I got my passport this year. And I've never been out of the United States yet. And so I've like, I'm going to Mexico in like two weeks. So this is going to be my first international trip, but I've wanted to travel and I've wanted to like go to Europe and I've wanted to go to all of these places, but it hasn't been the right time. And like, those are things that with my undefined G center, I don't want to do alone. Like I would really like to do those with somebody. And what came up for me was like, I would love to travel with my husband and so after a while, my husband mentioned like when he put faith in my business and went from like not trusting my online experiences and not trusting my online business to, you know what, I'm going to quit my job. We can move somewhere new. I'm going to take the summer off and then I'm going to go to school in the fall and just like, you know, start a new career path. That was both like really exciting. And then also it brought up this like, oh shit level of responsibility <laughs> because it's one thing when I am the irresponsible one who's quit her job and is running this online business as like her hobby when my husband has a steady job for some reason like that steadiness um, and that consistency and that like real job was was a factor in my brain um, but seeing him like wanting to also let go of that I was like oh I have to get comfortable with the fact that I, I have to feel like I deserve this because I have to maintain it. It's not just about me anymore. It's about my team. It's about my husband. It's about like our livelihood. It's about our family. Like there isn't a backup plan at this point. And so that fear kicked in, which was good for me, that fear motivation of like, what if my husband quits and puts all of his faith in my business and then 
like it all fails. Like what if I fail at that point? And so since that's something that like, I am not available for that pushed me to do that inner work of like, yes, I deserve this. Yes. I'm not feeling any guilt for this. And then also seeing that me being uncomfortable with that stillness and me putting myself out there and saying, I want time freedom allowed other people around me to also start dreaming about time freedom and also see that that was possible for them and also start um, going after that for themselves. And so I almost felt even more responsible to like make it happen, but not responsible in like a heavy way, like a very empowered way of, I'm not just doing this for me. I'm not just creating time freedom for myself. Me creating time freedom has inspired many people to also do the same thing. And that's the ultimate vision for me is having the time freedom to travel with my husband, to travel with my team, to do all sorts of things. Like that's actual time freedom. It's not just about me having the time. It's about us having the time. And so that for me was a huge turning point as well. I really love this because I also had a similar experience with my partner where I think up until 2019, I had a personal training business. And then after that, I was like focusing on my business, but then I was, you know, working for a company and then I got into a tech company and went remote. And as I started to create more of this entrepreneurial life of having this time freedom, my boyfriend who's in finance in the corporate world, like it's always just been like climb the ladder kind of thing. And how many designations can you get? Like, it's just a very alpha driven environment. And so when I start bringing in this picture of like, oh yeah, like what if you do want to go and hit golf balls on a Wednesday afternoon? Like, what if you do want to take an extra long vacation? What if you do want to work from your computer from another country? Right. And so it was interesting because I think this is such a prime example of like the role model energy that you're talking about. Cause he's a six, three. So it's like, he's really picking up on this. And then there's that experimental energy as well, where now he's like, well, you know, I want to, to work in finance and, and be managing money, but I want to have my own thing. And it was never like that before. Right. And I, I think one of the really significant things that I've I've pointed out to him is like, he's definitely made that comment. And I say this in air quotes around getting a real job and I'm like, okay, He's like, you know, like with incorporation, like this is, there's this safety and security and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but seriously, you could get fired tomorrow. Like people act like they're, they're really fully safe in those environments, but like people get laid off all the time. I said, there's no, there's no difference between, I mean, yeah, there's higher risk in like an entrepreneurial space and journey where things might not work out. You might have a shitty month or whatever, but also like, you're not promised unicorns for the rest of your life when you work yeah. in the corporate world. Yeah. And so that's really been something that's been really eye-opening because then it's motivating to take risk and be like, well, are you doing what it is that you want to do? Or mm-hmm. are you doing what you think you should be doing? And this is one of my favorite things to ask people. Oh yeah. I mean, I really saw like, I feel like nursing is assumed to be such a steady job. And when I actually got to like the unit that I was working in, in the hospital, all of those nurses lost their jobs for, it was either two or three full months when the COVID thing happened because they were working on a surgical floor and they, like the hospital had to cancel all elective procedures. They shut down the entire unit for months because they did not have the patience and like 
those nurses had to work on different floors. They had to do things they weren't trained for. They were like put in, like put with patients that like are, have disease processes that they're not familiar with working with on a daily basis. And so it was, it was a scramble to like offer them jobs in units that needed it. And then also like some of them just did not have jobs for a while. And for me, like that just shows that even, I don't know, just seeing that nursing is so, it's supposedly so stable. And to see that these people who'd been working there for years just didn't have income for three months and they are, were already living paycheck to paycheck. Like that was a huge factor for me. And I was like, okay, so this is not actually as stable as everybody thinks it is. It's not. And it, for me, and you'll probably get this as well with that fear motivation and being a separatist, (laughs) I know that I can trust me and it's much more aligned for me to take on that risk because I have that fear motivation. I'm, if there's a fear of like, if I'm responsible for making the income and I'm afraid it's not going to happen, that's going to motivate me to take the actions to make sure that it doesn't happen. And I'm like with my design and with yours, I'm designed to trust me over safety and communities and like the communalist, um, trajectory individuals, like within fear, there is safety in numbers and there is safety when you're working on things together. And when you have that like corporation to support you, but that's not true for everybody. And so like, I feel the safest when I'm in control of my financial reality, because I've been able to create a lot more than financial security (laughs) and like, well, yes, having that security and having those needs met is valuable. We have to recognize that not everyone wants that. And while there are people that really want that and don't want to be in control of everything, there are people like you and me that really thrive when we have power and we have control over the amount of money we're allowed to make and the money, the things that we do in exchange for money as well. I love that we're pivoting into the conversation about money because this was also something that that really came up in conversation a lot with my partner where it's like, you know, he has a salary, there's financial stability, there's a certain amount to save every month and so on. And then for me, it's like much more volatile where mm-hmm. my mindset is like, okay, if something's more expensive, like how can I make more? Because the reality is when it comes to money is that you can cut your expenses only to a certain point. Unless you literally want to be living, you know, in the bushes and have no financial ties whatsoever to society, yes. like you can get to that point. So the, the the truth is that you can cut your financial expenses to a point, but what you can make is limitless. Yeah. So, so that's like, that's like what I, I love to lean on where it's like, okay, well then what are more creative ways to generate wealth and make an impact and have this be sustainable? Like I find that motivating. And I think that that's part of the fear and motivation of like the unknown, like, oh, yeah. it's unknown. Like it's exciting. Like how can we get into this? Right. Yeah. So I, I really love that. And that's something that I think is a big mindset shift because before it was even just little things, you know, when people like gas prices in BC right now, like in Canada are like a thing. And it's like, we joke about it, but people get really mad when it goes up 10 cents, when it goes down and it's like, okay, so it goes up 10 cents. You have a 60 liter tank. You're paying $6. That's a Starbucks coffee, skip coffee once in that week. And you're not spending more money. Like it's, it's all, it's like so interesting when you start to play with money and like different ways of seeing it and seeing it as like a limitless resource. And and like, I acknowledge that's such a privileged thing to save. But also I think sharing this mindset will benefit people more than like coming from a fear that's creating a disempowering context. Yeah, 
Mm -hmm. I'd love to dive into more of like that privilege because I felt really guilty as a white woman who has all of this time freedom, who gets to talk about what she wants to talk about on the internet. And it actually brought up a lot of people who um, the story was, well, it's easy for you. Well, it's easy for you. Well, it's easy for you. And for me, that was really challenging because like, I have a very diverse background. I have Um, Like I experienced a lot of financial trauma in my childhood. We went from like, I have seven siblings. There's eight of us, (laughs) big family, big expenses. We went from my dad owned um, a couple of cell phone stores to he got cancer. He was in treatment. He like his businesses went under, they went through a foreclosure. We lost our house, filed for bankruptcy, moved across the country. Then they divorced. And so then it was my mother taking care of eight kids on her own after being a stay-at-home mom and like a homeschooling mother for the past like 15 years of her life. And so we like, things were very rough. We were on food stamps. We were on like financial aid. We were on like everything that we could get. And it was like going from that to where I am now all of a sudden I'm playing with numbers and like, it feels, you know, paying my team a couple thousand dollars a month was like causing anxiety going to the grocery store. And I remember thinking we needed dryer sheets or something like that. It was like a, it was a laundry related something. And we had a box already. And so I remember like coming home from the store and putting a box in there and thinking we needed it, but we didn't. And I just felt so much guilt for the excess that I got. I'm like, I spent three extra dollars for another box of dryer sheets and I'm feeling guilt and shame for this is excessive. This isn't necessary. So I started looking at like, I should only be spending my money on what's necessary and I have to be saving everything else because the future is unknown. And so as soon as I stopped spending money and I got really tight, I mean, I wasn't leaving the house. I was working out at home. making my own coffee. I like, I wasn't driving. I was spending like literally no money on myself, but I was investing it in my business and I was making sure my team was paid. And so it was this weird privilege of like, or this weird sensation of I'm going to be like, I can't use my privilege. There was like a shame of using my privilege for myself and being selfish and like being seen as selfish And of course that story of like, it's so easy for you made me want to like prove to other people that it wasn't easy for me because I did work hard for what I created. I worked very hard for what I created and like, yes, it it happened quickly, but that doesn't mean that it was necessarily easy for me. And so it's like, it's one thing of like, then I wanted things to be hard. And then I started attracting struggle in my business, which was really interesting because then I had to work hard. I had to show up for it. And then I didn't have that free time to go do what I wanted to do and like spend time with me. And so I put myself back in that space where I have to work hard. Once I have the savings, then I'll do things. But I just stopped looking for fun things to do and just fully was just consumed with what I need to do for my business. So it's very much in transference there. (laughs) I really love that we're talking about this because I definitely think that it's, it was, it's been the entrepreneurial space that taught me like what privilege is like when black lives matters happened and this, everything with the abortions right now, like there's so much happening. And it's true that 
at some point, everyone is going to have a level of privilege or not. And so I think it is, like you said, like using privilege for good that like makes such a difference. And so I found that when I, when I started to, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was like, I did have this, this shame around, you know, showing up and being able to just say whatever and not get reprimanded. And like, that is literally the definition of privilege. Right. And then obviously when black lives matter, black, black lives matter happened, it was like, okay, I need to make sure I'm not being racist. Like, how am I being more inclusive, like shifting my language? Like there was such a privilege in that of like learning how to be a better coach and being mm -hmm. a better creator in the online space. But one thing that I had to grapple with is being a woman, obviously, is looking at my partner, who's like a cisgender white male, who when I look at his career path was very much like went to university, got, you know, entry level job, literally crawled up the ladder and like increased his income. And it was interesting because I could looking back, I could see the wounding of I went to school for a teaching degree that was not lighting me up, but I finished it anyways. And then in my head, I'm like, okay, you know, he's always going to be the one to make more money. Like, I'm just going to have to work this teaching job. And this is how it's going to be. Like, I had totally put myself into a box because I'm the first generation in our family as a woman who's got a degree. Like mm -hmm. my my generation starts in Portugal where it's like my, my grandmother literally didn't go past grade four. Like she was not allowed to go to university. Like she worked on the farms and then my mom never got a degree. And then I got a degree. So I'm here and I'm like, okay, comparing myself to my boyfriend and then also like completely redefining my mindset around, oh, I can actually be a, a wealthy woman. Like I can start a business and not have a business degree and I can do things my way and like make a difference. And it's like, it, there really is a whole lot of like, who am I to do this? Mm -hmm. And it, it's so, it's been really interesting. And even that in itself has been like a privilege to experience that and then be able to have a voice, like even recording this episode with you and like sharing our story yeah. of like the different experiences that we've had is like, so powerful. And I think it's, it's really amazing to be able to normalize these conversations. And when I read Amanda Francis's book, Rich as Fuck, I loved one of the lines that she said was that, you know, being privileged doesn't mean that I didn't work hard for what I have. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's many barriers that were not there for me compared to someone who's marginalized or a person of color and so on. And so it's really interesting I love being in this entrepreneurial space because I feel like there is, we're also really, especially on our team and our messaging, eliminating this hierarchy mm -hmm. where we get to have this, this web of connection and really uplift everyone. Like there, there really is a shift in the paradigm of like being able to support everyone. And it doesn't just have to be like this weird MLM in the coaching industry of like some people making a shitload of money. And then it's like trickling down and it's so bizarre. Like that's a whole other conversation, oh, but yeah. That's like my little tangent that I wanted to share about that. Yeah. Um, for me, especially with like the Black Lives Matter movement, when that was really loud in the entrepreneurial space, like I know specifically the time period you're talking about, I, of course, was like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Like, how am I part of the problem? And I was just really looking at um, like, what can I do in this situation? And for me, it was a lot of just like looking at my own, looking at my own stuff, looking at my own biases, looking at my assumptions are like, why am I being so hesitant to try and say something a certain way? So it doesn't come across as a certain way. I'm like, okay, why, like, why am I doing that? So it was a lot of self-reflection, but it really opened my eyes to how 
like how much human design is needed because like human design is a starting point for showing you that you need things that are different. And it's really like, this is not a one size fits all journey because we are all working with different skill sets, but we're also working against different barriers, like you mentioned. And so that personalization and that like paying attention to detail and making sure that everybody, no matter where they are, they're being considered and their needs are being met. It was amazing to just open my eyes to like, what are things that I can do to like make this more accessible or, you know, help somebody overcome a specific barrier. But yeah, it was a really eye-opening time for me as well. And I, I learned a lot about like, how can we use human design to personalize these things? And yeah, it was really interesting. I really love how much human design is a tool in our world. Like, obviously this is like, we like breathe this work. It's just so like insatiable. Right. And I really feel I kind of want to like pivot back into the conversation around being a woman coming back into creating a business and then having a partner that's like in sort of this corporate space, because that has been something like very recently and it's still being processed in my own relationship around how I'm like triggering the fuck out of my boyfriend. And he's a projector. And it's funny because we talked about this the other night and I was like, he was, he was definitely bitter because of something that happened at work, but he was projecting onto me how he's like now comparing himself to me around how I have all this freedom and like, what is he doing wrong? He's making himself wrong in the corporate space, mm-hmm. even if he enjoys the work that he does. So I'm just like, this is so fucking weird because I literally put you on a pedestal for seven years. And now it's like, what am I like? I feel like I'm doing something wrong. And so I find this really interesting. And so I would love to hear from your perspective because I, I shared with him, I was like, okay, using human design, literally, you know, in your work environment, like how can you set boundaries? How can you set yourself up with an undefined G center to be recognized and be nurtured in your environment? Like, like there's, I'm helping him in his corporate space to thrive, but then also there's still this, this conversation, this parallel conversation of like, I'm triggering him because of what I'm creating in my business. And he's comparing has an undefined G center. My G center is fucking lit. So it's like, there's a big contrast there. And so I would love if you can share, cause I'm sure there's so many people who are in relationships with their partner. Somebody's an entrepreneur and somebody's not. And it's like, how do you deal with that? So I would love to hear your experience. And then we can share a bit about this. Cause I think that this would like be such a contribution to the listeners. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I remember, um, I had a couple of trips last year. I don't remember exactly where I was going, but I was traveling a lot. And I remember my husband saying something on the lines of like, I just, I never get to go anywhere. I never get to go on fun trips. And so he's, he has an undefined throat center and his, uh, he has 33. And so it's the gate of privacy. And so he's the kind of person that he needs his time. He needs his space. He's got a defined head and Ajna. So he's going to, it has to be his idea. And I know that I cannot plant ideas in his head. Like it has to be his idea. And so he started to recognize that like I had more freedom. And then he started, I just like started recognizing that he was getting more frustrated with the work that he was doing. He was like, he had the energy to go to work and then pretty much recover from work. And so I was just recognizing that. And I remember just like mentioning a couple of things. I didn't, um, I don't know. He's not really interested in human design. The language just doesn't resonate with him. So I haven't, I haven't told him a lot about his chart. Of course, if it comes up, I'm like, I know you don't know human design, but this is showing up for you right now. And I really love it. Um, 
So it was a lot of encouragement. And so when he came home one day and he was like, very shocked. And he was like, I have to tell you something. I'm like, what do you have to tell me? Like what, what conclusion have you come to? But for me, I definitely made that decision of like, I knew that the next, not like the next phase, but I knew that at one point he was also going to have time freedom because that's what I needed was him to also have time freedom and for him to also be satisfied. So I decided that for myself and I decided it silently. I did not tell it to him. I decided and like made that there's like a switch that flips for me. And I like, I made that decision. I committed to it. I'm like one day he's going to have freedom as well, but I had to really sit with, and like, you get this with 34 being in your um, vocation. I want to force it. I want to do it for him. I want to sit him down. I want to coach him. I want to pull his chart and tell him what kind of business he should be building and how to build it. (laughs) That's not what he wants. And that's not what's going to be empowering for him as well. And so if I was able to recognize that I was unsatisfied with the work that I was doing, and I was able to look around me and find the resources that were available to me and get myself to a space where I was satisfied, he would feel guilty if I handed it to him. He would not be able to receive it if I handed it to him. That would that would trigger a lot of things for him. And so I really recognize that like this has to be his journey because he has to want it. He's a desire motivation. He has to want it. It can't be my desire. It can't just be me that wants it. And so I, you know, he came home one day and he was like, I don't think I want to re-enlist. And I was like, awesome, let's talk about it. And so I was just really open to like, when he shared that I was encouraging. And so when he was, you know, kind of talking about his fears around, um, like, I don't really know what to do next and maybe I'll go back to school. And I'm like, okay, well, you have the space to figure out what you want. So if you need a gap year, if you need this. And so I was really just encouraging him to, look for what he needs. And, you know, all through he, he, like he joined the military and I went to college. And so all through college, he was financially supporting us. And like, yes, my business started to bring in a little bit here and there, but he was financially supporting us. And so we had to like, it, it was almost like a switch in roles, which was really uncomfortable at first because like I had this probably 34, not the 3740 channel of like, I'm not contributing my part. Um, like I felt so much guilt when I didn't make money or if I had a low month or like for literally just not having a job because I was in school, like double full time, <laughs> like I'm not bringing any money. There's so much guilt. And so I wanted to mention it. And so every time that I did make money, I was like, I, I finally made money. And so I was like sharing it. And so he turned uh, like for him, that was triggering. He was like, well, why is it a big deal if you make money, but I make money every single month and that's never acknowledged. It's just assumed. And so then I got to share that, like, I was acknowledging it because I felt guilty for like having previously not been contributing financially and for like investing our money into like selfish things like a coach or like website and things like that. So yeah, it had to be his idea. And then once it was his idea, I would just like check in and see what he needed. And then I would support him with anything that he brought to me, but I let it be his, I let it be his journey. I let it be his decision. I let it be his desire. And of course, like him being able to see me 
live in alignment. And like, I started being more honest with him. I'm bringing him in on the decisions that I'm making. Like every conversation I have with you guys are pretty much every single thing. He also gets to hear it. He also knows that I'm an emotional mess. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. And I just get to play baby. Essentially, <laughs> He can be like, it's okay. You're fine. You'll figure it out. You're smart. Um, but yeah, it had to be his idea. And so I, tried to just normalize it with my actions. And so since he has an undefined throat center, it's, it's a lot about actions. It's a lot about like what I'm actually doing and not just me telling him things. And so, um, like he was like, I started saying like, these are things that are really frustrating for me. And so I'm really excited to hand them off to somebody. And so I would just share little things of like, I'm letting go of this because it's frustrating for me. And I'm like really working on like something that's satisfying or like with the energetic resumes, I made him come in here and I scrolled through the entire thing once the document was done. And I'm like, I'm so proud of this. Look how incredible it is. You have to see this. I'm showing it off to you because I'm so proud of it. And like, he just gets to see me being really excited about my work. And so a lot of, a lot of how I helped him was actually, not hiding me enjoying my work anymore and giving myself permission to, uh, to enjoy it, to rest when I wanted to rest and yeah, to like talk about it and to celebrate it the way that I wanted to. And really coming at it from, I'm sharing this with you because I know that it's benefiting you. So it wasn't like me looking for recognition. It was, I know that this is me being a role model. So one, it's uncomfortable for me to be sharing this because I feel like I'm bragging, But two, I know that this is going to be beneficial for you because you need it. Like if you see this, I can see that it can be inspiring. And so, yeah, it was a lot of like nonverbal things and deciding and holding myself back. There was a lot of restraint because, you know, he's like going through things and like, I want to just jump in and like do it for him. Or I wanted to look up colleges and see the different programs. I'm like, no, this has to be it has to be led from him. So like something that I've learned just in general, like through coaching and everything is the most empowering thing you can do is show other people that they have the power to solve, like to get what they want themselves. And it takes a lot of restraint. (laughs) That tangent was so good. Like I can relate to this so hard. And I really, it's so interesting because hearing you, I can just hear the six line like this is so potent because I have the same experience with my partner like he's a six three and I think it's funny because he also has a defined head and ajna like wide split root and spleen defined head and ajna six three. Oh my god so it's a sacral spleen wide split three five. Oh so <laughs> funny so he yeah like I just really noticed that I will plant an idea like I notice like I'll say something and then I have to be patient because he needs to digest it and then he'll literally come to me like three days later or like weeks later and really like literally regurgitate what it is that I said to him and like have this realization and I'm like oh my god but it's funny because one thing I'm noticing with us is that like I think my boyfriend has more of an understanding about human design than your husband but there's still this really empowering way of holding space for them, like knowing what they need energetically in order to have that self-leadership and to trust themselves to make the right decision. And I think that one of the biggest things that I did for my partner is that 
I, I could see when he was out of alignment because I just understand. Like I can read a projector like so well now because I'm with him 24 seven. And yeah. when he's bitter, like the other day he was bitter when he came home from work. And I was like, I knew right away. I was like, you know, they're working you like a generator, like they're that you're pissed off because you're doing all these little tasks and you're meant to be overseeing the situation. And I said, you just need to go to work and set boundaries. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just left that with him. Yeah. Literally the next day goes to work. His boss said something to him. He's like, yeah, I'm really not available to be doing all these things. And it completely shifted the context. And I was like, yes, like, this is so good. So it's just really interesting, you know, understanding too, like that three line, I can tell he's bitter and he's doing too much of the same thing. I'm like, you're not experimenting. You need to go and experiment. Like it's so, it's such a breath of fresh air to be able to hold space for the men in our life to thrive in their own way and Mm -hmm. not in a way of coddling them, but like literally empowering them. Like, okay, I understand you energetically and just like casually plugging in these little things here and there that just allows them to make the right decision for them. And I think this is such a great example of the listeners. Like if you understand human design really well, the people in your life, they don't need to be a genius with human design. You can still you can still create such an empowering context for them to live in alignment just off of like the questions you ask them or the insights that you share. Like, it's actually amazing to witness this and like, and then actually get to witness like the people in her life thrive, but then also go and navigate like the possibility of starting your own business. Or like you said, going back to school, but it's not, it's not coming from a place of like, Oh, you should do this. It's like, how does this motivate you? And that's, I know this has been a huge conversation with the motivation movement this month but one of the biggest things that I discovered for my boyfriend was like your motivation is innocence if you're getting really serious at work or you're getting you're you're going into that like just thinking about yourself like you you will be out of alignment and it's amazing how when he brought this playfulness to his work environment he started to bring people together and completely shift the environment and I was like genius absolutely genius so when I see he's he's like being really serious I'm like how can you like be playful right now like just these little plugs make such a difference so I love to hear that you've been doing this in your relationship I'm doing this in my relationship and it's like it's it gets to be fun too though it's not like it's not like manipulative or strategic it's just literally empowering yeah yeah I mean there's the language um like my husband's a three five and that three five profile really loves to be a hero Um, he's also the kind of person that like, I tell him constantly, one of your greatest skills is being able to just fuck around and find out like three, five, he has that channel of power of like the 57 to 34, which is not self-aware, but just intuitively knows what to do. I'm like, you're really good at just fucking around and figuring it out. And so he now knows that that's like one of the things he's really good at. And the other day he mentioned, he's like, I know you said that like, that's one of my greatest skills. I think one of my greatest talents is actually that I ask really good questions. And I was like, yes, Mr. Defined Head and Ajna, you do. (laughs) I'm like, absolutely, you do. You ask great questions. Good job. (laughs) And of course, I'm like, just encouraging himself to see that in himself more. Um, But then if he would bring up things with work as a three, five, it's really easy for him to like want to step in and be the hero and want to like solve other people's problems and do more work than necessary to give to other people. And so, you know, I've had to say like, yes, you can fuck around and find out on just about anything, but you don't have to. 
Like if it's, if it's more effort than it's worth, you do not have to do it. And so I'm still like, I still use his design in communication with him and in like the advice that I give him, but I don't have to tell him that this is what your human design says. And it's still like encouraging and empowering. Um, And this also makes me want to go into a tangent about creating change, like with masculine and feminine energy, because I remember, I forget who it was, but I remember hearing that like, we don't fall in love with people. We fall in love with how we feel when we are around people. And so I, you've probably had conversations with your partner as well around like, if you want something changed and you're like, can you do this another way? And just like verbally communicating, can you do this another way? And sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't. And so there's like that direct, very masculine form of creating change, which is like making a request or doing it for them. You know, like there's the masculine way of creating change, which we think of pretty much anytime we we are creating change, but the feminine, it it deals with response and it, it deals a lot more with like how you feel when they're around you. And so I've found that if I'm expecting something or if I'm in the energy of just like, I'm, I'm available for this, whether you do it or I do it, um, it, it empowers other people as well. So like one of the things is making the bed. I like to have the bed made every single day. It makes me happy. I like to like tidy up first thing in the morning. There's like very specific things that I like to do. And if he's like this, the last one out of bed, I will go back in there and I will make the bed sometimes. And he's starting to pick up on like, occasionally he's doing it now and he will remember to make the bed. And it's because like, I'm not saying I want you, like if you're the last one, I'm not grilling him about it every single time he's doing it. I'm setting the expectation that the bed is made every day. And so I'm available for it to be made every day. And if it's like, if he's the last one out of bed, I'm still going to make it because I'm available for it to be made every day. And he's been picking up on, like, I've, I vocalized it, that I would like it made every day. And he's vocalized that if he's the last one out of bed, he will try and make it. But then I just set that expectation of like, this is happening every day. And so if you don't do it, I will do it. And so then he's going to get into that energy of desire a little bit more. And he's like, oh, well, I want to like, I want to be meeting her requests. And so if she's coming in here and she's doing it herself, she obviously wants this done. And so he's going to be able to step in. But that's a more feminine way of creating change is essentially feeling, you know, creating the sensation of how you want to feel and creating that environment for him to feel a certain way. And so if he feels confident and he feels comfortable and he feels like safe to talk to me about anything, I can create that space for him. And then he's able to make those changes. Um, but this works. And like we had this brief conversation earlier. We've been talking about sex a lot, you and I. <laughs> so this has also worked with like manifestation after reading sexy books of like, hmm, I wonder what it'd be like to like embody the energy of like a heroine who has this kind of relationship dynamic. And then he'll say something or he will do something. And I'm like, you're reading my books, aren't you? Like you have to be reading my books. And he's not, it's just the, like, when I'm in that energy, he's so responsive and he has that open throat that he's going to speak about whatever's in the aura, like whatever is in our collective aura. So he's able to like literally meet my fantasies and like meet these requests that he had no idea <laughs> that I had just because of my energetic shift. And so there's, there's so many ways that you can help support people in change. And especially in like close relationships, I think it's important to remember that 
if you're trying to help somebody change or you want them to be involved in what you are doing, you can't make the change for them, but you can set yourself up to where you're available for the result that you want. And they can either meet that expectation, they can meet you where you are, or they're not going to, and you can still make sure that your needs are met. There's a difference between a standard and an expectation. A standard is just saying, this is what I'm available for and making that your strong boundary. And an expectation is putting the pressure on other people to make that a standard. And so like, if, if my, if like the bed made thing, I can put the pressure on him. Like, I want you to make that every day. And I'm going to get really frustrated if my bed making (laughs) is reliant solely on him making it every day. The expectation is like putting that expectation on him of you have to make the bed every day is like putting pressure on him and it's not comfortable for him and it's going to create strife and it's going to create conflict versus me setting the standard of I like to have the bed made every day. And so if that means I make it, if that means you make it, if that means I make it later in the day, that's fine. But I'm setting that standard of it's going to be made. And as somebody who's in my world, you're going to recognize that that's a standard that I have and you will, you'll meet me where I am. Long tangent. This is so relatable though. I'm laughing because I literally do the same thing with making the bed. Like I, and like, you're like, oh yeah, I make the bed and I tidy in the morning. And I'm like, I literally do the exact same thing every morning. Like it's hilarious. And it's funny because we, there is this, this standard of the bed will be made every day. And it's literally the exact same thing that you do. And I'm laughing because I also, there is also this unspoken agreement. Like if you're the last one out of bed, you're making the bed. And it's, it's interesting because what I'm really hearing from our conversation is like, there is a magnetism in leadership because one of the other things is that I will clean the apartment every weekend. And there's certain things that I don't do. Like I hate cleaning the bathroom. Like that's a fuck no for me. And there's just on the weekends, I don't do the cat litter. I don't do recycling garbage. Like I'm like, I do it Monday to Friday and that's it. And so I notice when I want things to get going, but I also think it's because my boyfriend's a projector, he'll start to pick up on my sacral energy of like taking action is I'm like, okay, in my head, I'm like, it's time to start cleaning. And I will start cleaning back whatever and then he's like oh I'm gonna go and do the bathroom or he's like oh I'm gonna take out the recycling and I'm like yes but I'm not telling him what to do because that it's kind of it's emasculating him where it's like I'm just gonna be a fucking leader like my little six line embodiment of doing the things with my sacral energy mm-hmm. and it's gonna get done and I think this is one of the things that you often say is that you you trust that things will get done and it's like you'd rather do it right than do it quickly like it's just it's, it's this, and I think even that whole thing that I just said is a very feminine energy. Mm-hmm. There's no forcing. And I know that you and I have like definitely experienced that core wound, like of forcing. I mean, literally my core wound, but just a wound of forcing. Right. Yeah. And it's my and conscious so it, and both my Pluto gates. So yeah, it's prevalent. <laughs> so I, I just love, I love in so many ways in our conversation today, like we just shared how this real embodiment of ourselves and like our own desires and our expectations and just like holding space for our partners in our life has like made such a difference in terms of our entrepreneurial growth as well and like nurturing our relationships. And yeah, Eden casually mentioned that her and I've been talking about sex, but sex and human design, this hundred percent, this is going to be a future episode. So the listeners, you better subscribe to the channels because (laughs) it's happening. 
we've been talking about it in Boxer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, the conversation has already been happening and it is juicy. So we'll we'll get on that at some point. <laughs> we have to, we'll put it out there. We'll ride my emotional wave on it and then <laughs> we'll take action when the time is right. Um, I love that you also don't do bathrooms because I don't do bathrooms. <laughs> yep. If I, I do, do bathrooms, the bathroom, do it's dishes. like, yeah, if I do the bathroom, it's because I'm pissed off and I like want to prove a point and that bathroom will be the cleanest bathroom that anyone's ever seen. And it's like a very passive aggressive move. And I'm like, look how clean the bathroom is. Like, can you do it like this next time? <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it usually backfires where he's like, Aww. I don't know how to clean the bathroom that good. And I'm like, I'll show you <laughs> my <laughs> sacral energy. You're getting on your knees and elbows and you're going to scrub it. <laughs> oh, so hilarious. Funny. Yeah. And like, I hate doing dishes. Doing the dishes is like my least favorite thing. There's something about like that and folding laundry. There's something about sitting still and having to do a repetitive task that just makes my skin crawl and makes me want to like jump off the walls. And so those were tasks that I would procrastinate over and over and over again. And so my husband who does not mind sitting in one place and putting on a YouTube video or putting on a podcast and just getting something done he has taken over, I'd say 99% of the dishes. And so if he doesn't do the dishes for a day, I'm completely fine with that. It's like, I'm okay if like, I'm not like, that's a boundary that I have is this is your task and you will get to it when you want to. But I've also been very, very intentional around not complaining when the dishes aren't done because it's his task. It's something that um, like he folds laundry as well, but I will put laundry away. And so if he's going to give me like two days of laundry is sitting on the coffee table and like, just give, give me time <laughs> to get into the right mood to put it away. Then I'm not going to get on him around like the dishes being in the sink for half a day or like, you know, there's like no spoons. I'll, I'll wash a spoon. If I want, if I need a spoon, I will wash one spoon so that I can do like, I can eat what I want to eat, but I'm not doing all of the dishes. And so we've been able to like find these, find these compromises and find these balances with things where He's doing more of the housework that he doesn't mind. And I am doing more of the housework that I don't mind. And like, I like tidying up where I can like just walk around the house and like grab this and grab that and grab this. That movement is really relaxing for me. And like being in that energy of just like puttering around the house, I guess, is therapeutic. And I'll just put on some music. I can contemplate and it feels really good, but I need to be moving. And so it's that movement that's more important for me. And he would prefer to like, he would rather just sit and watch something and fold some clothing and like not have to think about it. And so it's like, yeah, we have, there's different ways to like divvy up tasks. There's different ways to support everyone's design. And yeah, there's so much, there's so much embodiment that happens and people meet you, people meet you where you are, which is really fun. Yeah, it really is. I think just to summarize it all is, is holding that, like having that vision and holding that space, you know, and it's just, again, such a six line thing for me to say that, but it's true. I think that that's what allows people to show up, you know, in alignment. So I really loved our conversation today. This totally went in like different directions compared to like what we had planned, but I think it's so helpful because there's things that you and I've talked about in today's conversation that we hadn't actually talked about at all yet. So it's, this is going to be so good on the channels. I'm like yeah, so excited to it's be share amazing. it. Is there anything else that you want to discuss or you want to talk about before we wrap up? 
I think I, I feel so good about this and I'm really excited to hear and I want to invite the listeners like share this on social media and tag us and we're really curious to hear like what you picked up from this because I feel like it's interesting you know we're talking about the cleaning like this is something we did not plan was to talk about cleaning <laughs> but it's so funny I'm curious to hear if you look at it from a human design lens like what's coming up for the listeners like what how does it look like in your relationship so yeah, yeah definitely just want to encourage people to like share what they get out of listening to this conversation absolutely perfect well thank you everyone for listening we'll talk to you in the next episode